Welcome to Money with Alpha, where I share simple tips for how to make, save and invest money while also connecting your values with your lifestyle so you can achieve the life you really want. You will also hear interviews from real people as they share the ups and downs of their money journey. After all, we are all on a journey and what better way to learn about money than to hear what hasn't and has worked. Hi and welcome to today's episode where I'm going to be talking about a topic that is slightly uncomfortable, (laughs) estate planning. Now, I say uncomfortable because the concept of estate planning is something that happens when it kicks in once we die. And nobody wants to think about their death. Um, And to be honest, I, I mean, at some point we all know we are going to die. The timing is very uncertain and yes we'll all try and do as much as we can to make that that period of time last or life last as long as possible but at some point there is going to become a need um, to have our have our stuff together um, especially for the loved ones who who are left behind which will typically be our children hopefully hopefully that doesn't happen the other way around Um, Now, in terms of estate planning, there are sort of broadly three different elements to it, um, which I go through in my my legacy um, money pillar, my fifth money pillar in in the Money Made Simple program under Fix Your Finances and Seven Simple Steps. Um, Now, first of all is personal insurances. So personal insurances, well, I'll tell you all three, I'll say all three first. So personal insurances, and then there's sort of the estate planning part of it, and then is giving back. So when, when I talk about personal insurances, I'm not talking about health insurance. I'm talking more about life insurance, total and permanent disability, also known as TPD. Uh, then there's trauma insurance and even income protection insurance. Anything that's there to ensure that your personal life is maintained as much as possible. Now, there's a few things to be mindful of here. A lot of these insurances people will have inside their superannuation. That that is a choice. Um, You you might not realize that it is, but you don't have to have it inside your super. You can have it outside of super. I I personally do. Um, And that then means, and it's, it's evolved over time where Probably for most of us, every time we started at a new job, uh, we would be put into the super funds that that employer used and we'd automatically go into the insurances. So generally it would have just been life and TPD. Trauma and income protection have almost always been an added um, choice. But life and TPD would be there. So let, let's let's say you, you change jobs, say, three times over 10 years, and you're likely to have three different super funds, which also then probably means that you have three different life insurances and three different TPD insurances for which you're paying premiums. Now, this might not sound so bad. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm super covered. But <coughs> those, excuse me, those insurance premiums are coming out of your retirement. So you're actually going to have less super to retire with so just have a look at your super if you've got more than one super fund i highly recommend the first thing you do is consolidate them into one and then look at what insurances you have inside those super funds ideally you only really need one and 
I mean, you're going to have one super fund. You have one lot of insurance. That's that's plenty. What to look for then is the amount you're covered for. And that amount needs to take your current financial situation into account. So it is something you may need to look at probably every five to 10 years, especially as expenses might decline. So if you're, you've got a mortgage, um, your kids might still be young. So you've got education expenses for them. You've got the mortgage to pay off. You want to make sure that all of that gets taken care of, or at least a substantial portion of it particularly if you've got a partner who's either earning less or wouldn't earn enough to cover the cost of those repayments. So have a have a look at what your liability situation is at the moment and make sure that you're covered from a life insurance perspective for those amounts. TPD starts to get a little bit more complex, um, which is where I actually do suggest talking to a financial planner. You can talk to one that within your super fund and um, just talk about the insurances and what it covers. Trauma is something different again that will cover you more for things like cancer, um, which can be very expensive, um, and some other dis- other diseases as well. Income protection is can also be quite complex. So once again, I would suggest a financial planner help you with that because there are different sort of definitions and um, professions that are covered in different ways. So they're, they're, they're sort of your, your, your insurances. Um, I'll just double back quickly to, to when I say you can have them inside and outside super, which again would be something to worth talking to a financial planner about. But the reason I've chosen to have them outside of super is A, I don't want the premiums reducing my retirement balance in my super fund. Um, secondly, the coverage age changes. So within super, um, it's generally you can't have life insurance after the age of 70. I plan to live a lot longer than that. Um, so I, you can have it outside of super up to the age of 99. That said, as I get closer to that age bracket, there's probably less and less to insure for um, because your know, house will be paid off. My, my daughter will have been educated. So there's less and less things to cover. So it's personal circumstances. Um, so they're the, they're the main reasons. And I also said so the third reason, I don't want to have two layers of clauses and requirements to go through to access. Obviously, life's different. Um, but to things like TPD or trauma or even income protection, you have to you have to comply with the requirements of the super fund and then also the insurance pre, um, uh, policy itself. So that's just too too much, too complex. I like simple. So I have it on the outside of super and it just simplifies my life. But like I said, you consider your own circumstances and um, and get some advice on that, I would suggest. So the second element um, is then the estate planning. And that, that entails um, a will, having a valid will. Um, keep in mind that if you had a will prior to getting married, it is no longer valid. You have to redo your will post-marriage. That's something I didn't know and I nearly got caught out on. So that was, that was for me, it was a handy piece of knowledge to have. Check if you do have a valid will. Just make sure that the beneficiaries who are in there are correct, that there haven't been any material changes in um, in your family. There haven't been any conflicts that you need to consider, uh, things that uh, or you've had children since. If you ha- if your if your lawyers prepared a will, um, like like mine was prepared by my family lawyer, 
uh, he already factored in my daughter even before we had her because we knew we were going to have a child. Um, so he's like, okay, well then once you have a child, these clauses will kick in. So we didn't have to redo the will once she was born. So, but keep that in mind and make sure, because I do highly recommend that a lawyer prepares a will. The will kit is fine. Um, but in this day and age, so, there's so much complexity and so many ways to interpret things. I, I wanted to try and remove all of that as much as possible. And then there's also the possibility of creating a testamentary trust within the will. Um, that also is if, if you have sort of complexity and you've got very blended families, that might be necessary. So again, a lawyer will be able to advise you if that's necessary for you. Within there, you can also discuss guardianship. And this is where it becomes quite uncomfortable. You definitely don't want to be thinking about this, but you need to. Uh, what happens if you and your partner are gone? who is going to look after your child or children. Um, make sure you actually discuss it with the people you have in mind and have some backups. So um, I've got three backups and I discussed it with each one of them, considered their ability to take care of them. Would my daughter have to move? What Do they have children? All of these sorts of things. Um, like I said, it isn't pleasant, but once you've done it, it's done. Um, and you just revisit it if there's any changes to the relationships with those those uh, those people. And then the next sort of main document really is an enduring power of attorney, and it's it's important that it's an enduring one because there might be something that happens that you become incapacitated while you're still living. Um, and it could even mean dementia or Alzheimer's, heaven forbid, or anything. You know, we're trying to to plan for any eventuality here, and then not have to think about it. Um, so that then just makes your wishes clear um, in relation to your money. Who who controls it? Um, what can they do? What can't they do? What are your wishes? All those sorts of things. Then on the health side, there's an advanced health directive where you can put down your medical wishes. So do you, I mean, most of us will have um, on our driver's licenses, whether or not we're a, um, a donor. Um, then, but then there's also things like resuscitation um, wishes and other other things, interventions that you would like or not like. And it just takes any ambiguity out of an already horrible situation if, if it were to eventuate. Um, and you don't want any bickering or anyone any anyone in your, your inner circle becoming in, um, estranged because of a differing opinion on what your wishes would be. It just makes it super clear. So there's that. Then, then the one last thing I would suggest to make life easy for um, especially um, the um, um, your enduring power of attorney and then also the executor of your will is what I call the details list. It's a list of all your bank accounts, your passwords, um, where you have your money, where your investments are, login details for the myriad of apps and accounts that we have these days just to make it really easy for them to get access to things um, and even know where to, to get access to things from or to. So I'll leave that there. It is it is a bit of a list um, and it's, like I said, not, not particularly pleasant, but it's important. Oh, sorry, one more thing actually that I just remembered, a binding nomination for your super fund. So it's, it's very important. It's very different from a non-binding, which where you can just log into your super fund account and say, oh, here who my beneficiaries are for my super. Um, they, that can be challenged um, in, uh, in a court. 
the non-binding nomination, far less so, and it sits outside the boundary of your will. So um, it's usually a form that you have to download, fill in, have a JP or someone um, uh, certify that it's it's you know, your signature, etc., witnessed, and then you send it back to your super fund. So it's a little bit more involved, um, but it's something that gives you a lot more peace of mind as well. And that expires every three years. So I've put a reminder in my phone. So in three years time, well, from the time I, I last did it, I need to go and, um, and redo this and just make sure that it's current. So that's, that'll get, that'll get most of your estate side of things sorted. And then lastly, um, from a legacy perspective, giving back, this is, this is something that brings me joy. Um, and I think is a, a much more uplifting way to finish, um, the, the concept of, of legacy and estate planning. When you start to get your money sorted, you get more comfortable and more ability to do more with it. And as I, I often talk about, money is a tool. It allows us to do things. It gives us choices. Um, and how you choose to spend your money is entirely up to you. I personally value being able to use money to help others. When I was younger and I didn't have as much money, um, I used to give my time. So I volunteered at events. Um, I did wish granting. Um, I did fundraising. I did all sorts of things. When I, when I didn't have the extra money to give, I would give my time. As I got older, that sort of flipped a bit. Um, I had less time, but I then had, had, um, had more money available. So I then started to, to donate. I still did fundraising, um, but I, I donate every year to, to some uh, organizations that are very dear to my heart. Uh, one being the Hunger Project. And I actually went to Uganda as part of a, a group with Business Chicks and the Hunger Project uh, back in 2013. And it was a life-changing, extraordinary experience. So I can't under underestimate or under-explain the value and the, the personal satisfaction that comes from helping others. Um, so that's that's something else that you can you can think about when it comes to legacy. And it doesn't have to be much. It's whatever you can manage. Even if it's, you know, foodstuffs to a food bank, um, tinned things, or even some toys. We also used to do, um, it was a shoebox, uh, and you used to fill it with, with things for children in Africa and stuff that they would need, like pencils and pencil sharpeners, um, some paper, toothpaste, toothbrush, very basic things, but it's usually what is in need at the time. So there's, there's no like limit to the different ways that, that um, you can help people. So yeah, so that's, that's the, the concept of legacy. Um, quite a, quite a full on topic, I realize, and lots of information there. So you may have to listen to some of that again. Um, it is included in my Fix Your Finances and Seven Simple Steps course, uh, which will be coming out for um, accepting people again in about two months. Um, but until then, this podcast will hopefully help you. All right. I hope you got a lot out of that and enjoy the rest of your day. 